Today we have Tony the Collector, Camera Shy Kathy, Roadhouse Jody, and Brennan, aka the Riz, that are going to give you the greatest things that you need to start you off uh, on the beginning of next week. Because when you hear this, it's the end. I was going to say the beginning of the week, but it's a Friday, so I'm not sure how that works exactly. Beginning of the weekend. Oh, even better, even better. So we have Tony and Kathy that will be talking about Space 1999, the black hole. Uh, Jody will be talking about an upcoming zine conference convention yeah. trade show. Um, we'll have Craig Silliphant with the, his movie news. And when there's time, I'll be talking about some comics. So here we go. Uh, Tony and Kathy, what do you have to t- tell us all the things we need to know? Okay. So Space 1999 was a TV show that came out in the 70s, 73, 74. I think there was two seasons. Um, the reason I want to talk about it today is because I, I did not want to watch it. I remember being a kid and watching it, and it was slow moving. There was no, the pace was slow. It was very British. It was a British mm-hmm. Italian movie, uh, yeah. TV show. So I didn't want to watch it. Then I, a guy, his name is Dan, Dan said, hey, Tony, you got to watch this. So I took home a DVD and I watched it and I fell in love with it. I really love Space 1999. Uh, I watched it as a kid, and I really, I loved it. I liked the second season better, so I was pretty excited when you brought it home, the whole thing. So Space 1999 came out in early 70s. It actually started, uh, it came from a TV show in the UK called UFO. Uh, UFO was one of these shows where it was really funky. They had a lot of, a lot of people wearing super awesome, like, go-go boots and crazy uh, 70s attire, and I loved UFO. Um not to be uh, mixed up with Project UFO, which came out in the 80s, but UFO was awesome. So I guess what happened is UFO wasn't doing very well, so they changed UFO into Space 1999. So it actually not only um, was something that I didn't want to watch, it became something not only did I want to watch, but I watched UFO and loved it, and it became Space 1999. I guess UFO was going to be called UFO 1999, they just changed the concept completely. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so I remember watching this on CBC and I really loved it as a kid, but like they would every episode they had like this moon lunar lander guy that would like take 10 minutes to land. Like they'd spend at least a third of the episode like Now, oddly enough, I thought that too, but rewatching it, it's actually quite fast paced the it's they don't really there's not a lot of lunar landing stuff like mars it's not mars but there was the the nuclear explosion that blew the yeah. moon away from the planet earth so it's hurling through space um so they seem to have like an unlimited supply of the the landers that get blown up all the time yeah, yeah. right but it isn't like i thought so too i thought it would be very like remember being slow as a kid because you're probably used to these star warships it's pretty much space uh 2001 it really has a lot of like, like a lot of those elements where it's a little slower but it's you know it's well paced i think i think now for early 70s i think it was probably um really well done as far as a space show with their little models and stuff like that you know it's pre pre star wars I think so. uh, Brian Johnson actually was one of the guys who did the um uh did some star wars modeling in the first star wars movie and he actually did the models for the 
the Space 1999. So Space 1999 was two seasons. The second season uh, ended up being a little more fast-paced mm-hmm. uh, with aliens, and there was like some kind of flesh-eating monster that lived in another spaceship. There was people that had the, abil- uh, the uh, ability to use ESP, and it was a lot yeah. of fun. It is a, yeah. it's, a, it's a lot of fun. Now, swinging that around uh, to the next thing um, was the... TV show that we're watching right now on Disney, or we watched last night on Disney, called, it's very similar, uh, and it's called The Black Hole. The movie, The Black Hole. The movie, yeah. The Black Hole. Now, I remember, again, this is one of those shows that I thought was slow-paced, nothing was really happening, uh, so I thought, oh, this will be good, because Space 1999, I thought was slow-paced and nothing was happening, and look how awesome it turned out to be. Why was I wrong? Yeah. Holy <laughs> Stinker. Like, if you have... Like, this is a stinger. If you have Disney Plus and you're thinking, I want to watch, like, a really, like, horrible, horrible movie, it is slow-paced. The robots are horrible. And this is supposed to be Disney's uh, answer to Star Wars because Star Wars was 77, 79 was the, um, was the black hole. And I remember seeing it as a kid and not understanding it, thinking it was slow, and I thought, yeah, it's going to be better, but it's not. <laughs> it didn't hold up. Uh, I didn't really remember it from when I was a kid, other than I remember it being on the back of um, cereal boxes. Star Wars was on the back and of the cereal back, boxes. backs of comics and things. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Those. like that. This yeah. is not a kid's movie. Like, there's nothing exciting about this movie at all. It is slow-paced. Um, there is no, the, the, like I said, there's like three robots that look like really sad sad robots that they, they look like they're made of wood like if some kids got together and made like a wood thing and, <laughs> and shop and they put it together with some big eyes and they floated and stuff like that it's kind of one of these cheesy che- cheesy movies where people are are floating and then when they when they're not floating they kind of move their bodies around like they're kind of like moving like yeah pretending like, to be yeah, zero G. like you're like you're listening to my yeah. voice now kind of moving yeah. back and forth i uh, remember yeah. when this came out and thinking like this is really derivative. Like this is just a rip off of Star Wars. It's which is an ultimately much better product. Yeah. But I still got the bedding. I still have <laughs> I still have some black hole sheets. Nice. And I remember I actually remember the 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 actual toys that came out were were fun. I remember having those. I I think you know that's the thing back then is they were really pushing they were making movies and pushing them towards kids because of the toys. I think Star Wars kind of did that. Uh, and then after that, it was the cartoons did that. So basically, I think, you know, if you could get toys for something, if you can get a movie that was actually able to, you know, push toys out, then, you know, then you can. It was before Star Wars 2. Planet of the Apes was the same way, same way. Planet of the Apes I saw as a kid. It scared the heck out of me. Like, I was not. I was scared but of Planet it, Yeah, of Apes. it's not a kid's yeah, movie. But they were, we were, they were pushing toys like crazy. Evil Knievel, he's jumping over things to die. He's, his life is, <laughs> I'm going to probably die. And we're playing with Evil Knievel uh, bikes and stuff like that. So. Evil Knievel is for children. It's thrilling. It's thrilling <laughs> for children, as long as he it's lives long as through he stays it. Alive. Yeah. As long as he stays alive. Anyway, so I just wanted to talk a little bit about some cool stuff that's happening. Space 1999, you can pick it up. Uh, it's kind of hard to find, but you can buy it. And uh, if you have Disney+, Plus, you have to watch The Black Hole. And wow. see, I remember as a kid, I thought The Black Hole was really, really cool. Um, and I have some of the actual figures still, oh. a couple of the robots. But that being said, I think it was on TV, like on the Disney, um, when these have it on Sun, was it Saturdays or Sundays they have Sunday the movie? Night, yeah. Yeah. Wonderful World of Disney. You're right, yeah. thank you. And I remember watching it, but there might have been a chance that as I was watching it, I was probably playing with the figures and like it was on the background. Yeah. I know I saw it, but now that I think about it, I may have just been 
playing with my other toys while it was on. It so I think I thought it was cool because I probably didn't watch it that carefully. Yeah. The androids are people, like androids, and they don't move. They sit in chairs and they move their arms. That's their whole thing. They don't move. They walk sometimes with limps. It's unbelievable. Does space travel cause issues with your joints as androids? Is that what... I would think so. I think they spent all their money researching how to make futuristic go-go boots. Yeah. And that's why they had difficulty. But that's with their money well spent. True. That's very true. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I do have to say that, you know, I, I haven't rewatched Space 1999 and I am expecting to borrow your DVDs. Yeah. Um, but I remember watching the, those on the reruns on, on Sunday afternoons and that the eyebrows were fantastic. The oh, eyebrow fashion yeah, in yeah. 1999 is like <laughs> above par. Like, yeah. The 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 outfits that they have in season one are super awesome. Like they are like they wear um, like flared pants and stuff, but you can tell that they have go-go boot kind of things underneath them. And um, and Martin Landau is a yeah. fantastic actor. Like I mean, rest yeah. in peace, that guy had the chops. Yeah. And he was married to Barbara Bain, the the, right. the doctor. The doctor, yeah, they're married, and you can kind of see there's a spark between them, even though there's not in the show. But you can uh, see something's going on. Yeah, a British spark. From afar. A British spark from afar. <laughs> Isn't that every British spark? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think yeah. that's the name of the British dating website, actually, yeah, is yeah. A, a British spark from afar. Spark from afar. <laughs> there you go. Well, thank you for that. I think we now have some insight on Space 1999 and Black Hole. And uh, as our faithful listeners, you can tell, so decide which one you'll dive into first. But I feel like that might be a good, uh, good double feature mm-hmm. for the weekend. Mm-hmm. Agreed. There we go. All right. Let's take it away to Craig, the movie geek. And, and Hank. And Hank. And uh, see what they have in store for us. Thanks, guys. Craig Siliphant here. And I am joined by my good pal, Hank. How's it going, man? I'm awake. He's awake. There you go. I'm awake. Uh, you uh, can follow us on social media at, at Craig Siliphant or at Hank and Kelso. So uh, we're going to talk about a few things today, but uh, we want to start with a show that I don't, I'm not even sure if I've heard of it. Uh, and so you can fill what? me in. An HBO show that you have I not know, heard of? I know, and I do love HBO. Oh, so everybody's all over that Disney Plus, right? Right. Which well, there's just so we'll much going on. Minute, but nobody's talking about Mrs. Fletcher. On HBO. I mean, it didn't help that when you emailed me, you told me it was called Mrs. Henderson. Henderson. I don't know why. So, <laughs> I was, I, but I was thinking Mrs. Robinson to start with, and right. then I went on to something else. Right. But it's Mrs. Fletcher. Mrs. Fletcher. Starring Catherine Hahn. Not Jessica Not Hahn, Jessica. who you also told me. <laughs> Catherine Hahn. Um, great show, but it is a coming-of-age story of Mrs. Fletcher and her son, Brendan. Uh, she is divorced. She's uh, going through a, a midlife crisis now. So we've seen a lot of stuff where there's like the main... Uh, midlife crisis, buying the sports car and getting rid of your wife and dating an 18-year-old and being a loser. Well, this is a female midlife crisis where uh, she decides she no longer wants to be her old self uh, when her son goes to college. So she experiences a sexual reawakening and sexual fulfillment that had eluded her in her younger years. Bum, bum, bum. HBO. HBO. And then her son, who is the... HBO. He is the jock in high school and the cool guy who is a bully to everybody. And then he gets to uh, be a freshman in college and realizes that uh, he's not as cool as he thought he was. And the ladies see right through him and go, uh, no... Oh, so he's, no. he was the big uh, big yeah. fish in a little pond in high yeah. school, but now he's the yeah. little so now fish in a big his pond. his mom is all like, hey, there are things happening now. I can be myself. And now he's all like, what's happening to my life? Nobody likes me. Right. Um, well written. 
extremely well acted, uh, hitting a lot of good uh, good points in it. Is it? Are they half hour episodes? They are, so it's uh, easy to get into. Um, and yeah, I don't want to ruin it because there's a bunch of uh, yeah stuff on the first few episodes that were really good. But it's uh, yeah, it's worth watching. You should check it out. I will I, check it out. I actually think that uh, you will enjoy it. All right. Well, you know me. I mean, I'm I'm game to try pretty much anything HBO puts out, even if the. Uh, like even if the plot synopsis described to me doesn't appeal to me at all, I know they always do quality stuff. So and you know you don't I don't always stick with all the shows, but uh, yeah, that's good. Cool. All right. Well, I wanted to talk about uh, Baby Yoda. Yoda. Now I should have prefaced this by saying it's a little bit of a spoiler, but unfortunately, uh, it's not really a spoiler anymore. You can't, you can't go internet. anywhere. You can't go no. anywhere. Anywhere people are talking about you. Go anywhere online is there. Yeah, so um, Baby Yoda is obviously the uh, it's just part of the show The Mandalorian on Disney Plus, and the Mandalorian is a bounty hunter played by Pedro Pascal from like Game of Thrones and stuff. He's been paid to hunt something down, and he finds out that it is a Baby Yoda. Now, of course, the internet has uh, not only exploded over just the idea, like it's the latest cute thing in the Star Wars universe. You got your BB-8s and your Ewoks and things like that. Oh, but, merchandise. Um, <laughs> of course, the semantics of it all is that like it's not actually Baby Yoda because this takes place after Yoda died in Return of the Jedi. Spo- oh. Major spoiler. <laughs> okay. But uh, it's, a, it's a baby of the same species. So, of course, people were arguing on the internet all week like, well, yeah, we know it's not actually Yoda, but it's it's a it's a baby Yoda, Yoda type creature. Yeah. So, but it's just been funny to see the whole thing kind of explode. So I don't I don't know where you landed that. I laughed at uh, Werner Herzog, who is actually in the first episode, and he uh, said that the character was heartbreakingly beautiful. Ooh. So, go ahead. Uh, and it is very cute. I'll say and that he he knows heartbreak. Yeah, they asked uh, Herzog if he was uh, like nervous to work with big director John Favreau, and he was like, "I don't know, know who he, that is. I don't know what he's made." Yeah, <laughs> I don't know that guy. I love yeah. Herzog. So uh, you haven't watched The Mandalorian? I have not said. yet. But after last week, uh, Tony and Kathy uh, gave it their highest recommendation, and now you've told me to watch it. So I, I guess uh, I will be. I'll be watching it. Yeah, it's worth checking out. It's funny that the uh, it actually like wasn't in number one the the week it launched. Uh, it was a number three spot on a ranking of the most in demand digital originals among U.S. viewers, which is a that's a quite a category. But, but like, what beat it out? So uh, Stranger Things beat it out, and uh, there was something else. Oh, it was Titans. Oddly really? enough, yeah. Like the wow. Teen Titans series, which was weird. Uh, I mean, Stranger Things, I can see. In fact, Mandalorian registered less than 40% of the demand of Stranger Things in that time period. And it also actually didn't make the top 10 across all shows on TV networks and digital services. Like it fell behind SpongeBob SquarePants and Rick and Morty and Saturday Night Live and Game of Thrones. So, uh, so it just goes to show how splintered uh, things everybody are. Everybody out there that's talking about it, um, uh, of course, it was the only thing that people were talking about. But then you say those numbers, but they're not actually watching it. So I bet it's uh, just like uh, the Star Wars movies where everybody's got an opinion and half yeah. the people haven't even seen it yet. <laughs> yeah. Or like any movies these days, especially like if I it's a female I haven't watched it, but now I'm uh, like, that's it, that Yoda. I can't believe how cute it is. Yeah. Yeah, like uh, yeah, like I said, especially if it's a female-led movie, you're going to find some jerks on the internet with an opinion about it even though they haven't, they seen, haven't it. seen it. yet. OMG. So uh, Amazon has given an early season two renewal to its forthcoming 
Lord of the Rings series. So this series we haven't even haven't seen, seen yet. Okay. Uh, in fact, I believe it's still in pre-production in New Zealand. Like they haven't even started shooting it yet. I don't think. And in fact, it's not even fully cast. Uh, now, let's let's unpack this a little bit here. So, are you interested to see a new Lord of the Rings? One hundred percent. I need it. Are you a big Lord of the Rings? Need it. Fan. Need to. Yes. Need to see. It. Like an extra fan. Yep. Well. I'm not like insane. Like I, I can't quote a whole bunch of stuff from the books or the movies, but I love it. Right. Okay. Now, uh, were you a fan of the Peter Jackson movies? I, I was. I was. There were some things in each of the movies that I was like, ah, but you know what? Uh, yeah. And the books? Yeah, old oh, the books. Yeah, Re- read the books in elementary school. Yeah. Right. And then, uh, then the old Hobbit. When the Hobbit came out there. I like right. That. Yeah, I forgot. Yeah. Yeah. What Harry about feet. that trilogy? A lot of hairy feet in that. <laughs> yeah. Just hair. Um, so they've gone and renewed it for. Season two, yeah, but season one isn't even hasn't done even yet. Sh- I don't think, like I said, I don't think they started shooting. So is it, it yet. because they've realized how much money they need to spend, and they're like, if we're going to spend that much money, then we're going to pump out two seasons anyway because we're already invested. In Ooh, it. They could be. I mean, they definitely uh, could be budgeting ahead and stuff. So I like I I'm not sure exactly why they would jump on that so quickly. But I mean, it is obviously Lord of the Rings. So uh, but what about uh, what about you? You a uh, big fan? Big fan of the Rings? Uh, yeah, like I wouldn't say I I would say I'm more of a science fiction guy than a fantasy guy when people go you know science fiction fantasy i'm more on the science fiction side or horror stuff like that yeah, i guess I would um too. now i i have obviously read the books i like the books i mean there's stuff in there where like uh, you know if i read one of those books it's like 200 pages of awesome excitingness then 200 pages yeah. of like detailing a guy walking through the it's forest like the, for uh, the game of thrones books it's like dude like where are you going with this yeah exactly like, free bird bring it back yeah, yeah exactly so uh and then i did like i mean i enjoyed the movies when they came out uh again maybe parts of them better than others and i think they were actually adapted fairly well because they take stuff out of the books that that would slow them down even more there's obviously always the joke about uh return of the king having like 50 endings and it just doesn't it's like it it's never a never ends. ending story yeah, yeah. Uh, now i feel like i i'd seen those movies quite a bit especially when i worked at the video store when they came out like that was i, I worked in video stores around the time that they came out uh, and then so there was the original edition then there was the big like fat director's edition that added in way more stuff and i haven't watched it in a long time and i actually was recently feeling like you know maybe it's time to give them another watch. Take a trip back to Mordor. Yeah, but now I'm questioning, like, like I to be honest, I don't really I don't really know that I need to see the Amazon. Like, I feel like they did a, such a good job with that version, and that's really, you're not going to probably get me to like it any more than that. But is, are they actually just redoing, I thought they were adding stuff to it, and it was a different story based on Lord of the Rings. Well, is that, like, kind of like a Watchmen or, thing? Or is it a complete retelling? Well, of I whole... assumed it was a retelling, but to be well, honest, I, I haven't really that looked excited. that far. I don't know. Because uh, what they're doing with Watchmen is great, right? Yeah, I mean that's like uh, that show is like. It, I don't know if we talked about this before, but I love that's it. probably like one of my favorite shows going. Well, right, right now, now it's it's uh, one of my must watch like night of. Yeah, it's crazy. In fact, uh, we got maybe thirty seconds left. Like, uh, it's that show reminds me of The Leftovers, which was another show that a lot of people haven't seen, but it was an amazing show based on a book. The premise is that everybody disappears, or well, like a percentage of the population i think it was like three percent of the yeah. population disappears or something uh and then seasons two and three after the book is done in the storyline like just go crazy from there but the watchman has been very similar in like it has these real human 
characters in these real human moments, but then it'll like go just the weirdest places. I don't, I don't. Know how far have you? How caught up are you? Oh, oh I'm caught up. I'm, I may even be an episode behind that right now, actually. But, but the last episode I saw had like uh, uh, Jeremy Irons' character kind of making those clones and it was just the weirdest thing where and that yeah, weird yeah. stage production that they yeah, did yeah, 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 yeah okay yeah, yeah it's somebody it, takes the bite of the very large tomato while he's on the horse yeah yeah exactly yeah. yeah okay well then yeah. he goes fishing for like uh fetuses in the fetus lake or something i don't yeah. know it, it, and then they fire those the the dead clones on these catapults off into yeah it's it's like uh, i mean you can see why it's made from the guy that made lost and and the leftovers and stuff like that so uh anyway uh so to sum up uh mrs fletcher on hbo you should watch mrs fletcher the and the watchman on, on hbo you should watch yeah the mandalorian you should watch cuz yoda's cute yeah exactly and uh and the lord of the rings in the future perfect <laughs> all right back to you guys <laughs> All right, thank you, Craig and Hank, for all those TV picks. Go check them out when you have some time. You get so many great suggestions on things from the show. It'll keep you busy, which is good because, you know, who wants to be bored? Who has the time to be bored in this day and age? Uh, Jody, let's talk about some zines. What do you have to tell us? Okay, I'm super pumped because this weekend at the Francis Morrison Library is the first ever zine fest in Saskatoon. And what the heck is a zine? Well, a zine is basically like a homemade magazine, and it can take so many different forms. They were really big in the 90s, and that's when I was super into zines. Um, there was quite a scene, and uh, you can make a zine about anything. It can, like, lots of them are about music, but they can be political. They You can use them as a tool to, you know, showcase, uh, you know, some cause or whatever. But, like, people will make a zine about, like, their dog or beats or whatever, like, just they're awesome so I'm very very excited um it's being put on by Canzine which is an organization across Canada is organized by Broken Pencil and they are they have a magazine and they have a website and I I've used been... to have a subscription to Broken Pencil okay, actually right? so there you go Broken Pencil is awesome um I've been following them online for years and they've been putting on these zine fests um primarily like Vancouver Toronto Montreal kind of thing and then in the last couple of years they have branched out to Winnipeg and then this year, dun, dun, dun. for the first time ever, they are going to be in Saskatoon. So in um, collaboration with Void Gallery, who have lots of really cool workshops and things for people on printing. Um, they have the coolest machine ever, the Rizograph, which um, we I've been there for a workshop to learn how to do prints on this like cool. It's like kind of like a photocopier slash screen printing, like magic machine that will like print off a whole bunch of stuff at once but you can do multiple colors and yeah anyways it's fabulous so I have a new zine that I'm super pumped about um, and it is called Saskatoon Fun Facts and it came out of a collaboration in the Punch Creative Club which is the second Tuesday or second second Wednesday, Wednesday of the month at uh, six thirty at Amazing Stories. So if there are writers or artists out there who are like into like collaborating or working with other people, that is when we meet once a month. And sometimes we do like fun games, and sometimes we actually have an agenda and we do things. Um, this zine that I created with Kevin Sarkowski and Lauren Golka really came out of that and so we're hoping to do more and our very first issue will be premiered at the Canzine festival do, 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 do. i know do, 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 do. it's super cool um i'm very very proud of the work i can't wait to share it with everyone and we'll also have back issues of punch magazine which i mean it, 
Punch magazine was wicked awesome. Like it was super glossy yeah. and beautiful. Because yes. um, I was like, I don't want to just put out like some photocopied zine. I want like I used to. I want to put out like something really fantastic and beautiful. And so we did that for like eight issues. And then Punch magazine is where it started. That's where magazine, it started. TV, radio. That's where it started. So a that, whole franchise. You know, it, the- exactly. <laughs> so I mean, I'm going to be at this thing and I'm actually going to talk on one of the panels of like, like what are zines good for and how are they used as a tool? And my biggest point is that they're a springboard. Like they really like from the zine to the magazine, to the TV show, to the radio show, to the creators club. Like they've just like, it just created more things from one small thing. And and I think that's the real power that zines truly have is like, it's an expression. It's awesome. It's cheap. It's cheerful. It's do it yourself. Anybody can make a zine. It can be like one page. It can be like a flyer. And it's more important that it's done than that it's perfect. And that's what I think is the special charm of zines is that anybody can make one and you can get them out to the world and they're just fun and great. So um, if you've never been to a zine scene, if you've never made a zine or read a zine, Come to the Francis Morrison Library on Saturday from 11 till 530. There will be a workshop there where you can actually make a zine and there'll be panels and there's a whole bunch of different um, creators in Saskatoon that will be there at tables selling and giving away stuff, comics, all kinds of different things from all walks of life. So it is going to be an awesome thing and it's free. So there you go. There you go. That's yeah. Go check that out. I remember. I mean, in the '90s, that before websites, that was the thing. You'd make mm-hmm. zine and go to the record shop and see what people were were making and talking about. And it was a great way to find out about records and shows and just people's ideas. And and yeah, no, just go go check it out. It's a really great yeah. great way to express yourself. So yay! And with our last little bit of time here, I thought I would talk about comics, but specifically, I'd like to talk about a form of character that I find. Growing up, I've liked way more than I thought I should. And these are characters who break the fourth wall. So there is a character by the name of Deadpool. I'm sure everyone has heard about and has seen the movie and bought all the collectibles. But before Deadpool, there were other characters who, who did this as well. What um, do you mean, Brennan, by breaking the fourth wall? What well, is the fourth wall? Well, thank you for asking, Jody. Uh, in drama, the term breaking the fourth wall is if you look at a stage, we imagine that there's three walls and the fourth wall. And the fourth wall is the wall the audience is literally looking through. It's like an invisible wall. So if you break the fourth wall, the actors on the stage begin to talk to the audience and interact with them. So comic book characters that know they're in a comic or talk to the reader or talk to the audience, that's considered breaking the fourth wall. Or the writer. Sometimes they talk to the writer also. Th- that's very, very true. And one of my very first favorite comics, and Tony will disagree with me, but that's okay because people are allowed <laughs> to disagree, was Ambush Bug. Uh, this came out in, he premiered in 1982 created by Keith Giffen, and uh, his first miniseries came out in 1985, and he was this haphazard, uh, crazy superhero who can teleport and kind of appear anywhere, but speaks to the reader all the time and is completely aware of, of where he is in a comic. A couple of comics I'm really enjoying, and then I keep bringing one, and I, I haven't talked about it yet, is the new Gwenpool book. So um, Gwenpool Strikes Back, and she has the same ability, much like She-Hulk, where she realizes she's in a comic because she's from our universe and she finds herself in a comic and she knows all the comic stories. And so she keeps trying to tell them, well, this is going to happen to you, but they have no idea because they've been revamped in those multiverses. It's really fun. It's really campy. I haven't read the last issue yet, but I flipped through it and it looks 
completely bizarre. She meets another version of herself in another universe. Mm. And one way you could say if she could actually control the canon universe and make her changes stick, she could become one of the most powerful characters in the Marvel universe. She could go back to the Secret Wars and figure out how Doctor Doom defeats the Beyonder and defeat the Beyonder herself and have those powers. So it's really fun. The artwork uh, is is beautiful, written by Leah Williams. So uh, Terry Dobson does the covers. Check that one out. And then my last little plug is for, is for Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. So much like her TV show when she would talk to the viewer about the movies, in her comic she talks to the reader about the comic. And she doesn't do the, the panel control and page control that She-Hulk and Gwenpool do, but she does make reference to the writer um, about some of the lame jokes that he's writing for her. <laughs> and same thing. She's like, where are you going with this? And, yeah. you know, and very self-aware. Um, and I really enjoy them. And I've discovered that as a, if it's a genre, I really like sort of comedic fourth wall breaking characters. What, is that, what does that say about my taste? I don't know. It's just a thing I thought I would talk about. That's fun. Actually, when I saw your books here today, and I didn't know that we were talking about the, the fourth wall because they all seemed uh, kind of all over the map. There you and go. Yeah, that's good. As is my brain. All right. Well, <laughs> that pretty much wraps it up for this week's edition of Punch Radio.